When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are doing another mailbag episode and thank you to everybody that has texted or DM'd or emailed. We had a bunch of different questions. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. We appreciate you guys reaching out. And I think we're going to get right into it here tonight. But before we do, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, what's up today, my man? Well, the listeners will not know this, but I'm having a great day because your voice just cracked so hard in take <laughs> one of brought to you hockey think tank. It was great. So that was awesome. But I had a great day today. Uh, my girlfriend moved from Nashville, Tennessee to St. Louis recently, and we just uh, explored the city today. So did some normal things, get out of the out of the gym, out of the house working. And that was pretty fun. So it was a good day for the kid. That's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, uh, you know, got a month old and, uh, not much sleep nowadays and had her birthday party today. And I also coached, uh, three games this weekend. So, uh, that, and I'm still waiting for my growth spurt. So maybe that's why my voice <laughs> cracked, but, um, yeah, the voice voice is, uh, not, not in good shape right now, but we're, we're battling through it, battling through it here and, uh, excited for this mailbag episode, excited to hear somebody, you know, be able to have the time to do what you do too. I'm just living vicariously through you, man. Awesome stuff. <laughs> oh, you want to fire it up right away? Uh, yeah, let's, well, let's, uh, let's do sponsors first. Let's do the sponsors first and then we'll fire it up. What do you say? Do it. How about you do gel sticks? If you're looking for the greatest <laughs> training aid, weighted training aid on the market, you should look no further than Jailsticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Again, that is G-E-L-S-T-X.com. We want to say thank you to our partners who've been here with us since the beginning. Jailsticks.com for all your weighted training aid needs. You could be talking about hockey. You could be talking about golf. You could also be talking about lacrosse. We got them all. Jailsticks.com. Use code THINKTANK, one word. Thank you, Jailsticks. There we go. Nice. <laughs> I like it. All right. You're going to keep going here. All right. Train Heroic. Get her going. Train Heroic. Just want to say thanks to my boy, Josh Shooter. Yeah, I invented the app. Hook me up. Let me train all these people across the world. Over 2,000 in the last year and change. Really excited right now to be chaining New Jersey 87s, Youngstown Phantoms, Tri-City Storms, Maryland, uh, University of Southern Maine, New Jersey 87s youth team, Boston Junior Rangers, 
got a lot of people on here. I'm training this year uh, for teams. I'm really excited about that. Cleanest app in the game. Uh, really, really happy that they're on board for, uh, for the podcast too. Thank you guys. Train Heroic. What's up? Love that. And I'm going to take icehockeysystems.com here because, uh, well, the season is upon us. And uh, I've been using icehockeysystems.com to drop all of my drills and uh, also plan practices and things like that. And it's just such an unbelievable tool to use. And, and we've come up with an association platform with ice. Actually, they came up with the platform and we have partnered with them. Um, and it's been a game changer, man, just in terms of planning practices, uh, being on the same page with your coaches and your players and things like that. It's just such a great tool for development. So uh, go to icehockeysystems.com slash associations and uh, really check it out for your associations today because it's uh, it's an awesome, awesome tool. Uh, I've started using it. I'm actually going to be posting some of my practice plans <laughs> through Ice Hockey Systems online uh, in the coming weeks, uh, just because I, I, I think it's an awesome, awesome tool. Like I said, and those guys are amazing. We want to thank them for their support for this podcast. Uh, also thank you to blue wire podcasts, uh, which is our parent company, which hosts our podcast as well. Uh, they've been a great support for us too, in growing this thing into the, let's call it a behemoth <laughs> that it is. And, uh, and yeah, so let's get right to it. What do you say? I was on mute. And I was trying to say, let's do it. So let's do it. All right. There we go. Here we go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, so this one for me, I had quite a bit of talks in the gym with the, with the younger guys that I train about this one. Um, Rojo2255 said, thoughts on new rules for no more touch-up offsides and no PK icing it anymore. So what are your thoughts on those? Uh, we should probably split them up between the two, right? Um, so let's go with the first one as the icing rule, first of all. So, uh, actually my team, the Windy City Storm, U16s, played this weekend three games in Chicago, uh, and went 3-0. However, the interesting part was they did not play these rules in the showcase tournament that we were in. So you could still ice the puck. They told us, screw it. And so you could still ice the puck and it is still, um, still, offsides with tag up. So, uh, I couldn't tell you from a perspective of having done it aside from a little bit in practice, but you know what? Like you can go both ways, honestly, with the icing rule. I actually tend, if you put a gun to my head and you had to choose, I would say at the youth levels, I like the no icing rule because it forces kids to make plays. And as a recruiter and scout, I think the biggest thing that I want to see is kids making plays. Uh, and that's not to say you can make a nice play to ice the puck because you can show some poise, uh, you know, find a seam and things like that. And you can still make good hockey plays for that. Um, but again, anything that forces kids to have to make plays, maybe think a little bit more creatively. And, and on the other side of it, without the puck, I think what people don't talk about enough is how important the support players on the penalty kill are now that you can't um you know, you can't ice the puck because you have to really work hard without the puck to, you can't just ice it. Now you have to, you have to make passes. And, and anytime that you're developing off the puck 
play and off the puck hockey sense, I think that's a good thing too. So, you know what? I, I don't have a huge opinion on this one. Uh, hockey is hockey and hockey has been played the same way for a long time and being able to ice the puck. That does not mean at all that it should always be that way. So I, I I'm, I'm excited, honestly, to see what it does this year. I'm excited to see if it helps development. And I think we'll have a better understanding of how good of a rule change that is at the youth levels at the end of the year. But I'm, I, I think it's a good idea. What, all right, so you're for it. What age should it start and stop at where you, you know, where's the cutoff? Yeah, I mean, we're doing it in midgets and I'm okay with that. We're okay with that. I mean, at the might level and at the score level, the kids can barely get, I shouldn't say they could barely get the puck down the ice because they can, but I mean, I would definitely do it. There's so much space out on the ice, especially with the younger kids that why not do it? You know what I mean? And so, and the, the other argument that people make on this for, is like, all right, you got a penalty. Why are you rewarding the people who got the penalty with being able to ice the puck? <laughs> you know? So, um, I, 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 I'm fine trying it. Honestly, why not one year? Try it, right? Like it's not going to kill anybody. It's not going to make players worse. So it's, I, I like the fact that USA hockey did that. I think it's forward thinking and uh, they've, they've tried this out too. So it's not like they're doing this blind. They've been doing this at the select festivals out in Buffalo uh, for the boys. I'm not sure if they, they might've been doing it for the girls too. I, I, I haven't seen any of that, but they've tried it out. And again, it forces kids to make plays, which in my opinion is a great thing to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you too. I love it. I love it. I think that that is a great rule. Um, it's just going to make the game easier when you go up a level, having had to do that your whole life. You know, always looking to make that play, not being able to ice it. I love that one. I don't think I love the no tag up offsides because I remember when I was a kid, that was the rule. You couldn't tag up until maybe they changed it in midgets or maybe I just, they changed it when I got to juniors. I don't honestly remember, but I remember when I was a kid and this was a rule, we never finished games because there were so, so many, many whistles. whistles. Yeah. It literally like, I don't know if that wasn't a rule, then they made it a rule, then they, they went away with it and now it's back. I can't remember, but like, yeah, I remember been, when, they've gone back and forth. I think. Okay. I remember when it. they imposed that one and like, literally we never finished games after that. We always had to drop the clock down to two minutes because we were running out of time. And it's like, dude, that sucks. Like that's a major, major going to be, that's, I think it's going to happen to a lot of people. So for me, I'm not a fan of that one. I see what they're trying to do. Again, they're trying to make, make players make plays and stuff like that. But I think that is just going to ruin the flow of the game. Yeah. I don't know you. Yeah. I tend to agree with you on that one. Again, the, the thought process behind it is it's going to force kids to have to make more plays, which again, I'm okay trying it again. You know, like it, we haven't had this rule for a while. I am, but you, you do make a good point. And that's what a lot of people say about the icings too, is that like, there's so many whistles and there's no flow to the game anymore because of it. Um, which, you know, I, I mean, if you're not finishing games or games are taking so long, then that is a little bit of a big deal too. Uh, so pro to that one, again, it, it forces people to make plays. They can't just dump the puck in, which is what most people do in that tag up off sides when the puck comes uh, out into the neutral zone and you don't have a ton of time to make plays. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't, again, for this, like for both of these, I'm, I'm okay trying it for a year. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Love it. Ready for the next one? Ready for the next one. What do you got? All right, let's go. All right. This one comes to us all the way from Tisdale, Saskatchewan. 
Tisdale, Saskatchewan, the Trojans up there. Uh, the official account of the U18 AAA Tisdale Trojans. So thank you from our friends up north. Sask is awesome. Unbelievable province. The people that come from that part of Canada are just salt of the earth people. Byron Bits is a Saskatchewan boy, a guy who uh, you and I both played with. So a funny one here. Question for the group. How do you handle when parents ask what line my kid will be on? Um, I mean, I know what your answer is because we talked about this pre-show. Uh, <laughs> but for, I mean, I, I'll let you answer it because I would answer it the exact same way. I don't want to steal your answer. Go ahead. Whatever he's earned. Love that. Pretty simple. You know, love that. Whatever's earned. Um, and, I, you know, I think it, it's obviously different from mites to midgets, you know, like in terms of divvying up ice time where everybody's playing versus pe- people are playing in certain roles and at different times and, and things like that. Um, gosh, like at the younger levels, come on people, like let kids play in every situation. Um, even me, my midget team, like we had our first weekend here this weekend, everybody played power play, everybody played penalty, penalty kill. And I literally said, okay, let's see what you can do. <laughs> and some of the people like probably earned more time in certain spots. And some of the people probably didn't. And then in practice next week, everybody will do both and we'll see how they do in practice and they'll earn their ice time from there. But, uh, and we've talked about this a lot, man, like earning something is very important. Kids need to learn how to earn stuff. And so um, the question is, how do you handle when parents ask what line my kid will be on? You tell them whatever they earn and it's, earned based on their attitude it's based on their execution it's based on you know their their talent level too right like their talent level especially at the older ages um but i I, you know just be honest with them whatever they earn is what they're going to get i think uh something that you could even think about like before even getting this question is the start of the year we've talked about this on podcasts in the past, like having a meeting with players and parents and the coaches are giving their expectations for the players and for the parents. And you can ask the parents, you know, what do you expect from us as a coaching staff and just kind of start off the season with that open dialogue and say this very thing. So that nobody's even coming to you because you're saying it in the beginning of the year, like, I will not be talked to about ice time by the parents. If players want to talk to me, they can, I have an open door policy, but ice time will be earned, especially when we're talking, you know, like midgets and up um, when it starts to get like really serious about that stuff. And it's a little bit less even. And I would also say like in that meeting, we are preparing our kids for the next level hockey here, but we're also preparing these gentlemen, you know, young gentlemen, young ladies for life and life is not fair. So they will get what they earn. And that is something that we need to teach on the ice so that they can learn for on the ice and beyond off the ice school work down the road, whatever it relationships, like you need to earn what you want. Uh, Nobody's going to give you anything. I have a couple other things to add to. Okay. Number one, If you are a parent and you go up to your coach and you tell the coach that my son or daughter is a left winger and should be playing left wing or center or right wing or whatever, um, you need to stop, like literally stop because kids need to learn how to play every position. So 
you know, like, again, my guy, like all my guys played a lot of different positions this week. Cause I want to see what they can do. And like, they need to learn how to play different positions. Um, and one of the kids, even, you know, we have, uh, one of the kids on my team is drafted to the USHL and WHL. And I had the, uh, the conversation with him cause he typically plays center and I had him playing some, some wing. And he was like, yeah, I need to learn how to play wing because at the next level I might have to play wing. I'm like, okay, yep. That's a mature answer. You know, what's going on. Right. Um, so I think, you know, from, from that end, like parents, please, like they need to play different positions, even at the younger ages, like they should be playing D and forward, you know, and, and learning how to play both aspects, uh, of the puck when it comes to that. And so, um, I, I just think from, from that aspect, like don't go up to a coach and say that. And the other thing that I want to say too, is that it is really important that your kid gets benched. Okay. I'm going to say that again. It is really important that your kid gets benched. And if your coach is, if your coach is not benching your kid, he's probably not, he or she is probably not doing their job. And the reason why I say that is because no kid really has a great attitude every day, right? No kid brings their best effort every day and they need to be held accountable when they're not right. And so like you have to hold high standards as a coach and you have to be unwavering in those standards. Right. And if you just let your top players get away with stuff, you're not teaching them how to work hard and, and have a good attitude all like it's, it's like, you need to hold them accountable. And the best way to do it is by the bench. That's, that's not my saying that's John Wooden, who is the greatest coach of any sport of all time. <laughs> if you don't know John Wooden, look him up. Right. And so I actually had that today in my game, one of our more skilled players is really good. Uh, I thought he went pretty softly into a puck battle and didn't win it. And they got it. And we ended up having a defensive zone shift because of it. And so he came back to the bench. I said, that's not how we play. Sat him for three or four shifts. And then he came out and because of his character, he had a goal and an assist after that, like he played really, really well. And it's just like, Hey, this is, this is our identity. This is our standard. And you know, I'm not doing my job if I'm not coaching you hard um, and holding you accountable to the standards that we set. And so first of all, it's, it's great on the kid because he's coachable. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, I think we, have to coach all of our kids especially our top players in that way so that's a little bit of a rant for me what do you think i absolutely love that because they're good they're, you know they're gonna be benched later in their career if they keep going like and that's all these kids goals especially the ones at at the triple a level where this question's coming from like the, that is their goal to get to the next level they're gonna mess up whether it's in college junior pro whatever it is and if they've been through that adversity of messing up or, you know, to be able to bounce out of it quicker, like that it's real life too. You know, yeah. you gotta when be I, able to bounce back. Yeah. When I do my team buildings, especially with the youth teams, that's one of the things I say, because one of the big things that I talk about, right. Is, is resiliency. Like that's one of the most important attributes of successful teams and successful individuals on teams. And, and I tell every kid, it is a good thing if you get benched. All right. Your coach is not doing their job. If, if they're not holding those high stand, holding you to those high standards and we're not perfect with our attitude and our effort every day, but our coach has to make sure that we get as close to perfect with our attitude and effort. And that's another, like, that's one of the things I told my players this weekend. It's our first games said, guys, it's going to be ugly. 
the execution is going to be bad at times. You know, our structure is going to be bad at times, but, and it's not going to be perfect, but our attitude and our bench and our effort that needs to be perfect because those are things that we can control as opposed to a lot of the other ins and outs of, of the game. Right. And, and playing it. So um, yeah, I just think that like coaches, make sure you're holding those high standards, parents, like if your kid gets benched, this is where the whole crux of it came from. If your kid gets benched, like, okay, I'm not going to say that some coaches are probably benching kids for the wrong reasons. Like if you're screaming at them and not playing them for an entire period, you know, because of a turnover at the blue line. Yeah. That's an issue. You don't want to see that. But if you can see that your kid's dogging it a little bit, take your rose colored glasses off and, and the coach gets into, into your kid and, and they sit for a little bit like that, that is a good thing. 100%. And you're going to get, you're going to get it. They're going to get it later. So the sooner they get it and learn to adapt and roll with it and that it's not the end of the world, the better off they will be yeah. seriously. Yeah. All right. We beat this one to a dead horse. What do we got next? You're up. All right. This one's from uh, my boy, tricky Ricky Schreiber been on his podcast before yeah. and uh, he does. He's, he's, on my tra- he's on my train with me team. Uh, oh, nice. He joined, he joined after I went on his podcast. Yeah. So he said, um, we have had our first preseason games and something that is lacking is speed. I know you guys speak a lot about puck poise and possession, and I totally agree on this, but in a general sense, how do you get speed in your game? That's a great question. I think it's, you know what, like, I think maybe the wrong word is speed. And I think maybe the terminology that I would use is pace. Um, I mean, that, that's just the word that I use when it comes to, I think what the gist of this question is. And, and I think it's pace and urgency, right? Like poise is good. Um, uh, poise. Yeah. Poise, (laughs) poise is good. We talk about that all the time. Like, like Rick said, but I think there needs to be an urgency and a pace to a game. Again, this is a fast game and it's getting faster and faster and faster every year. And I, I think, my, so my first, and, and Rick, maybe, maybe you could use this with your guys. My first video meeting with my team is always about transition. I think the game of hockey and all sports is always going from defense to offense and offense to defense. And I think the quicker that you can do that both ways, the better off you're going to be as a team. So offensively, like when there's a turnover or we get the puck, like I'm showing video clips of D getting right up in the play. I'm showing video clips of like guys stopping and then screaming forward. Right. Like, and so using video can help in teaching some positive ways of how you can play with a little bit more speed uh, and pace. And then um, I think, you know, defensively stopping on the brakes and getting back hard through the middle to take away the guts of the ice so your D can keep your gaps. I think that for me is like the most important part of hockey is hard on the back check through the middle so your D can play aggressively and gap and give the other team no time and space. And I think the faster you play with pace, both offensively and defensively, in transition and, and highlighting those things and video, I think is a really good way to do that. I think that can help to teach your players to play a little bit faster. Maybe a little, maybe a long winded answer to the question, but I think that's what I would say. No, I mean, that was a way better answer than I was thinking of. That was unreal. I love talking about having the D jump into play and, and getting in there. Like it's so important. Um, for them to be jumping in and out and just, you know, having five guys darting through holes. Like we played against in Austria, there's a team, uh, Red Bull. Um, 
and and they played like they their whole philosophy when I played against them, like it was like five players are all playing any position. There was like no position. It was so hard to play against. And it wasn't, they were just skating around full speed with like chickens with their head cut off. Like they were playing with pace. This guy went here, this guy would dart in the hole. Then the next guy would dart in the hole. And it didn't really matter what position they were. So when you're like playing against that, it was so hard to play against. So that's something like, I love that you said, play with pace instead of speed. Just, uh, I think it makes you think differently. Um, the other thing too, is I, I think that you have to know what kind of players you have too. You know, like there's some guys who are more think, think the game. And that's where those are probably the guys with poise. And then there's some guys that are like speedy and less thinking the game of like a game of chess. So I think that putting players that think alike will probably make your team play with more of a pace to it. Like if you put the guys who think the same, like it was really hard for me to play with guys who thought the game completely different than me. And like, they wanted to really slow it down and I wanted to really speed it up. That made us just like, confused all the time. I wasn't a fan of that. So let me push back on you a little bit there because I almost think that that could complement each other pretty well, right? Like, but I mean like the weight, not not like their skill set. Like one guy is like a really good passer and he likes to pull up. But like, you know, there's some guys who like just want to hold onto the puck all the time and they want to curl up all the time, but they want to hold it. Like if you're playing with players who are all thinking like, let's get it to the net or let let's do this. And they have the same kind of like mindset on getting the puck to the net fast versus like somebody who just wants to hold on the puck all the time, all the time, never penetrate. Like if you put those guys together, at least they're thinking the same way. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying with complimenting a hundred percent. Like, yes, I think you got to do that. Think about like a Backstrom playing with Tom Wilson, right? Like completely different players. Think about the game. Backstrom like is wanting to attack. Like he wants to like be perimeter, but like his passes are attacking. Like they're always like going through as somebody slicing through. So I feel like they're both like wanting to get to the net, but in different ways. But I don't know. I, I just think that, I guess maybe it should just be, how you make your lines and stuff, Rick, I think that that can, that can make your team play with more pace. If the guys on the line are all like, have a lot of chemistry, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. On the line. Yeah. (laughs) On the line, you put it on the line, but I totally get what you're saying about complimenting and yeah, you're, you're obviously right about that. But I think tricky, if you think about your line combos and talk to the players, who do you like playing with? You know, maybe don't, don't have them say it in front of each other, but it could be like, put a list of the, the top two left wingers you want to play with and the top two right wingers you want to play with. And maybe just see what guys are saying, because the more you like who you're playing with and the more you can read off each other and it's more like instinctual, the faster, the more pace that you just like naturally play with. Yeah, that makes sense. I think another thing too is when you're talking about playing with speed or playing with pace, I think you really need to focus on the players without the puck. I think those are the people that really need to play with the pace, especially in transition. Right. And so you talk about the puck poise, like you can still have puck poise, you know, but if other people are working hard to get to spots where you can show that poise, maybe bring a couple people to you, which leaves somebody else open and they're darting to a spot where you can get it to them. I think just focusing on the players, because I feel like the, I can't remember the question, but it had like, the almost like kind of like the dichotomy between poise and playing fast, right? Like you can still have poise with the puck, but if the players without the puck are working and playing with pace and urgency to get it into spots, 
that can complement the the players that are playing with poise um, big time. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. I guess that's what I was trying to say. I just said it in a stupid way. You were right. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I like. But I was just that. trying to get at like with those players that complement each other. Like you need to find those combos because when you find the right combos, players play with more pace. When everybody's not second guessing, well, what's he thinking? I don't know. I go this way, but he's always going that way. So, yeah, totally. Cool. All right. Uh, ready for the next question? Yep. Okay. Here we go. This is from Stephen King, who is from Detroit, Michigan. And it is how much and what should a 14U AAA player do over the summer? Uh, he's talking about, he says, for example, tournaments, skill skates, power skating, strength, speed, other. Uh, if it were up to my son, he would go seven days a week. Same question for in-season, assuming on average three practices per week. Thank you. So Vex, as the off-ice extraordinaire, what is your thoughts on this? That's a great question. Uh, very hard to answer. We'll just throw out some like, okay, if it's this, because you have to think about tryouts, like you don't want to finish your season and then you ha don't have tryouts for, let's say you don't have tryouts for two months. And, but like a pro at the end of their season, they're not playing again for, you know, till the next season. So I'm like, take two months off the ice, like get off the ice for two months, get off the ice for one month. If you're a goalie, 100% get off the ice for one to two months. You have to stay off your hips and ankles. Um, there's a lot of things that go into that, but let's just say, okay, tryouts are over. You've got two or three months before your season starts. We'll say three months. Um, I think it, you got to look at when do you have to be ready? And then you work backwards. All right, that's the easiest way to look at it. So it's not progression, regression. It's regression. Exactly. You know, I love it. So if you think <laughs> about your your off season being a pyramid, the top of the pyramid is when you need to peak. We'll just say September first. That's your first practice. So that's when you have to be in the best hockey shape, ready to go for your season. Now, as you slide down that pyramid, and the pyramid gets wider towards the base, that's where you're looking at more um, general fitness general training on the ice, things like that. I personally think one to two skill sessions a week on the ice um, or whatever you want to call them at the beginning of summer, no more than two. I want those guys getting away from the rink. Um, but in the gym, like depending on what your philosophies are for your strength coach, like anywhere from three to six days a week, you know, and obviously plans change and what you're doing. And some days are deload days or, or off days or yoga days, but like three to six days a week in the gym, one to two days a week on the ice. And then as the season gets closer, you kind of slot flip those. It's kind of slides. The ice becomes more important. You work out a little bit less or your workouts just get way shorter um, because now hockey is the most important. So no, that's a, you also have to take into it personality, like to, what does the kid do if he's not playing hockey and how much does he love it? And, you know, but I would just make sure that you're not letting your kid be on the ice five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week, the entire summer, the entire summer that should not be allowed. No doubt about it. Skating, the mechanics of skating is not a natural movement for our bodies. So it is not good for your hips, knees and ankles to be doing that all summer long when you're going to do it all season long. It's not, it should not be a year round sport. Amen. Yeah. So it's interesting because coming here to Chicago this summer, I want to say our summer program started like mid to late June. 
And it was interesting because mid to late June gives you kind of like a month and a half to two months before the season starts. Or we'll give it two months before the, the season starts to, to kind of ramp things up. And, and we had most of our kids on the ice three times a week, um, which doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot. And, and we ended up like really scaling some stuff back and we're like, Hey, like two, we should probably do at least maybe like in all of June and into probably a little bit of July, like twice a week. And then once we get to like late July and get into August, maybe like four weeks or something like that, we can ramp it up to three times a week. Um, because it was, it was a lot. Like we were seeing kids were like starting to be like, mm, my hip hurts a little bit. And, um, you'd like, even like their, their juice is what we call it here. Like their energy was not like, it started to be almost, I don't want to say a chore, but like the enthusiasm kind of wasn't there and it was just a little bit too much. And these are like highly committed, very good hockey players that are doing that. Right. So, um, I would err on the side, especially at the, you know, spring, I, I totally agree. Like shouldn't be doing a whole heck of a lot on the ice. Like maybe if you're, there's a spring league that you're playing a game once a week for fun, like that you could do that, but like go play other sports and, um, and all of that. But yeah, like, and I saw it firsthand this summer, three times a week, even in June, beginning of July was, was a lot. And, and honestly, like Jeff's job in the summer is way more important than my job in the summer. Right. I think people get that mixed up. The, the strength coach and what you do off the ice to become an athlete, that is the most important thing that you can do in the summer. Some would argue that that's the most important thing that you can do in the summer, even for NHL players is to make sure that their body is ready as an athlete to get her going for the season, to reduce injury, to decrease burnout. Um, because again, these are highly, highly committed people and they will want to go seven days a week and it, and you have to tell them no sometimes is as hard as that is. I, I know that there are skills coaches out there that have to say no to some of their NHL players because they would want to be on the ice and you just, you don't want to be, um, burnt out. You don't want to be injured going into the season. So you know, I think like you said, you kind of ramp it up towards when your start date is. I think that's a really important point. And, and I would definitely err on the side of caution when it comes to on ice. And I would say that the off ice stuff is way more important. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I had one of my NHL guys on Thursday skate twice and work out. And I was like, dude, that's too much. You're doing too much. That's there's a point of diminishing returns. The biggest like, thing yeah. that people in your world right now are talking about is recovery. Like yeah. that is the biggest thing that people in your world are talking about. And you have like people, you have to understand that more isn't always better, you know? And, and especially when it comes to the body, it, it there's, like you said, there's a point of diminishing returns and you have to, the other thing is listen to the kids, watch their body language. Like if they are not excited to go to the rink, do not take them to the rink, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, so, and it's different for each kid, right? You know, some kids you have to hold back. Some, you got to push a little bit, like listen to your kids and watch your kids. They're all different and make sure that, you know, and, and even like the wincing, like if a kid's wincing, get off the ice now, like stop wincing. What is it? Go take a rest. Are you hurt? You know? So it, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a little bit of a rant there, but no, I love it. I 100%. Agree. Obviously. Uh, next question. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, this comes from, uh, 
actually somebody I know near and dear to my heart. Uh, we get this question all the time. We talked about it in the pre-show and we said we were going to ask, uh, talk about it because for me in the, you know, whatever it's been now, almost 20 years that I've been like coming back and trying to help St. Louis hockey. This question is the number one question I get asked. Uh, so here it is. Here's my question. When does a player need an advisor or do they advisors run about $3,500 a year? What should you expect for that money? How do you credential these people? They're always at tournaments looking for players and parents. I'll let you start. (laughs) There's a lot of throwing up on your end over there. Uh, I like it. Uh, we, we, we've had this question before. I want to say we've even talked about it on a previous mailbag episode, but it is, you know, it's, it's a question that we get asked a lot, so we can go through it again here. And first things first is that there are good ones and there are bad ones. So when you talk about advisors, I think it's important that you don't throw everybody in the same bucket, right? Because there are people that do a really good job for, their players and there are people not so much. Now there's also different types of advisors. There are advisors who are also NHLPA certified agents, but they can't be called agents because that is against the rules for the NCAA. (laughs) And so, you know, these are the people that are recruiting kids at, you know, geez. And you talk to these, these agents and they'll say the same thing. It's absolutely stupid, but they're recruiting kids at really young ages, 14 years old, some even 13 years old. Like it's, it's absolutely insane with, the hope that that kid at some point is going to be a professional hockey player. And that is when they will be able to make money off of that kid. That's just the way that the agency business is nowadays. And they will all tell you that it's backwards, but they will tell you that that's the way that it is and they can't do it any other way right now. And so until the NHLPA and the NHL actually put rules in place that, you know, kind of like the colleges did where you can't recruit kids until a certain age or they get to a certain grade, uh, it's it's not going to change. But these are NHLPA certified agents that are going after kids to with the hopes that at some point they are going to develop into a professional hockey player one day, right? So that's one side of the agency slash advisor business. The other side of the, ag- the agency slash advisor business is more advisor. And that is people that you pay to help you get onto maybe a midget team, maybe a junior team, because you really don't have connections uh, or you just don't really know the landscape. And again, there are good advisors out there who do a good job and have a lot of connections and can help kids get to, you know, maybe a a prep school or a really good UA team program or uh, a junior team. And then there's others that are going to take you 3,500 bucks and they're going to get you to a tryout with their buddy's team. And then they're going to get a kickback from it. Right. So I think you have to ask questions as a parent to these advisors, you know, who are your connections? Uh, What are some places that you've placed kids before? Can I have the number of people that uh, has, like you have um, advised in the past so I can regroup with them and then, you know, just do your due diligence. And, and again, like I said, there are good ones. There are not so good ones. Like I coached a U18 team this year and there were a lot of kids that were like, I, they didn't really know much about the junior process. Um, and, and so maybe an advisor in that instance, if like I have connections and can try to get you places, but maybe if the coach didn't, then, that could help. Right. So, um, it's not about bashing advisors or agents. It's about understanding what it is and really, really, really doing your due diligence 
to find one that you can trust. Now, the other thing is when you're, when people are approaching you, um, I would definitely steer clear of the agents slash advisors who tell you how good you are and you're a surefire NHL pick or, you know, like they, they're basically just telling you what you want to hear. I think those are the worst kinds of advisors. I think the best advisors are very honest with you about the process. The best advisors can also go to, you know, coaches at levels that you want to go at and get a report on you and report back to you on these are the things that these people want to see before you get to that level. Um, so I think the honesty factor when it comes to agents is really important. You don't want somebody that's going to blow smoke because you know that they're not honest. And for people like us who, or NHL scouts, college coaches, whatever, like we don't listen to people who just say that everybody is amazing. We listen to people who give us honest assessments on, on kids. Right. So honesty, ask a lot of questions. Do your due diligence? Love that. I love the, try to break you know, it down to like all of it. Right. Yeah. Part of that question was how do you credential these people? And I thought that was really good that you said, uh, ask for a list of clients and, you know, numbers. Who can I talk to people that you've worked with and then do that obviously. And then talk to your son or daughter's coach and ask them, Hey, do you know this person? What have you heard about them? Like ask as many people as you possibly yeah. can, because like Tove said, there are some good ones out there. There really are. And there's some that are really trying to help and really trying to like change the, the landscape of the youth advisor money-making friggin' juggernaut that what that it was like five, 10 years ago, or it was just the wild, wild West. And people were just making money off families. And, you know, that's just, at least it's changing. Uh, there are really good ones out there. I know quite a few of them, um, but you have to do your due diligence, make sure you know who you, who they worked with and, and what type of advisor they are. Are they just getting your kid uh, a tryout at a junior program and they're charging you $3,000 because your coach or someone you know in hockey should be able to do that exact same thing uh, if your kid is good enough to get a tryout. Um, so, you know, you got to ask, like, what do you, what do you, what do you do? When, what does that mean? You're an advisor. What are you going to, what kind of value are you adding to my son or daughter's career? Cause that's a big one because if they're not going to be like, well, we can help them find sports psychologists or we can, you know, do this or that, or we run camps and bring in great skills coaches. Like if they're not adding value, there are ones out there who will. So, um, you know, I just think that you got to do due diligence big time. Do the diligence. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is like, you know, make sure that they're putting in the work to recruit you too. Right. If it's one phone call or two phone calls, and then they expect you to sign on the dotted line for 30. No, that's not, that shouldn't be how it works. You know, there's, there's kids that have asked me about certain advisors and they're trying to pick between the two. And one of the questions I have is like, who do you, who do you feel most comfortable with and who's really putting in the effort to, to try and recruit you, you know, because if somebody is like, you know, just calls and says, Hey, I'd love to do it. And then that's it. And then there's somebody else that's like really trying to um, build a relationship with you because I think advising that that's literally what it's called, right? Advising. So you're building a relationship and you're mentoring this person too. So the more you can build that relationship and the more effort that that person puts into getting to know you, I think that's really important too. 
I love that because I, I think that just made me start thinking back about all the ones that were approaching me when I was younger. And, you know, you have the ones who just send that one email. Hey, I can get you this. I can get you that. And then you never hear from them again. And there's the ones who are there weekend after weekend saying, you know, talking to your parents and, you know, I really want to work with you. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a really good point. Thank you. I try. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Next question. Last one for me and then you'll do one more. What do you think? Perfect. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is from John Berman. He's a good man. And so this one is for young players and midgets and juniors. How do you approach a coach to ask how to improve without feeling awkward about not already knowing something you feel you should know? My son feels he should have all the answers sometimes and is reluctant to ask the questions. I can't, I think you just, you have to create the environment. You, you, you have to create the environment where they the coach you're talking about. Yeah. The coach, the coach yeah. has to create the environment that's, yeah. you know, open for that kind of thing. And that, I think that's all on the coach. Uh, yes and no. I would say yes and no. I think that first of all, this is a good one again for that question from the parents from before. Like if your kid has an issue, let them go talk to the coach. Um, it is, it's, it's awkward. It's very awkward as a player to go in to speak to a coach to advocate for yourself or to ask questions especially when you're a kid totally totally but what i will say is that um how do you approach a coach that was part of the question first of all for a kid that does find the courage to to go in and talk to the coach number one awesome that's so good for your development and we've talked about it and i've seen it at the college level like there is a correlation between the confidence to go in and speak to a coach and have that ability to advocate for yourself to confidence on the ice. I really do think that that those things kind of come hand in hand, but when you do that, it's very important that you do not go in like a gunslinger saying, I deserve this and that. And the other thing that is not the way to approach a coach. The best way to approach a coach, if you're going to advocate for yourself is, Hey, like, what do I need to, I need to know what I need to do <laughs> to get the things that I want, whether it's the ice time, a certain role, um, going up the lineup, whatever it may be. It's like, okay, um, what do I need to do to better myself? What do I need to do to earn your trust? So you would put me out in these kinds of situations. And then hopefully you have a coach that's honest with you and can give you an honest assessment on it. So you're totally right. You're totally bang on the coach needs to create an environment. And that is a difficult thing to do because that means you're putting a lot of time and effort into your relationships with your players where they feel like they can trust you and open up to you. And I think a, a good way to do that as a coach is to be vulnerable and admit your mistakes and, and, you know, talk about, you know, Hey, sorry guys, I, I messed up on this or that, or the other thing. And, and I think when you show a little bit of humility like that, as a coach, I think the players are able to do that themselves and, and go in and, and talk to you a little bit more. And so I feel like I'm going in a, a million different directions here, but coaches need to create that environment. And then kids, you really like, I know it's difficult and, and I know it's, it's, I, I think you can even say maybe scary to, to do that, but it, it is really, really good for your development to, you know, just muster up the courage to knock on the door and, and go in there and have that conversation. Because at the end of the day, like coaches are responsible at, for a lot of levels. It's maybe a 
10 to one <laughs> or a 20 to one even ratio when it comes to having those kinds of conversation. And the coach is so focused on the macro a lot of the time that sometimes they don't see if you're feeling a certain way um, and they don't know what you're thinking. Right. So let them know. It's, I think it's really, really important. Yeah, you're right. I think and we appreciate that. Like coaches appreciate like they don't, if you go in like saying I deserve this, that, and the other thing, we don't appreciate that. But when you come in and you say, Hey, what do I need to do to, to earn this spot? That goes a long way in the coaches. And I guarantee you that coach will give you an extra look and they will give you the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that position. Yeah. And it's, it's all in what you say too. Like, like you said, you don't want to go in guns blazing. You also don't want to go in and just be like, I, 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 if yeah. you phrase things like, I think I can help the team on the penalty kill. What do I need to work on to prove to you that I can be a penalty killer on this team? Tell me what I should be focusing on in practice or watching in video right away. Like your, your question is about how do I get more PK time at the root of it, but you're saying in a way, like, I, I know I can help the team. So like me as a coach, I'm like, wow, this guy wants to get out there and, and prove he can help the team by, by being a good penalty killer. Okay. Like here, I need you to start eating pucks in practice to show me you can do that. So like, you know, how you word what you're saying to the coach definitely matters. And if you think about that as you're going in there and you write down things that you want to talk about and then think about, okay, like I want to put these across in the best possible way for the coach to respond well to me, like that matters, you know, context and how you say things to people matters on how they're going to accept it. So that's something you have to think about as a player. And I totally agree with Toph. If you can do that with a coach, you're almost always going to have a better relationship with that coach. And that's always going to help you play more or he'll be more real with you and tell you exactly what you need. He'll probably spend more time with you as a player because he knows that you care. For sure. And, and it's interesting, I'm going back and I'm kind of reading this question on my phone too. And, and part of the question is, you know, how do you ask to improve without feeling awkward about not already knowing something, right? I think accepting that it's awkward and, but at the same time, and like for me, like I'm somebody that kind of holds things in at times, that's awkward. And that's, that's bad to have that pit in your stomach. And almost always, if you have something on your mind, it's so much more freeing and so much better for your mental health if you let it out. Right. And so if you keep it in and feel awkward and, and, and you just like hold that in, you know, for days, weeks, some players do it for months. Uh, some players do it for an entire season without doing it. Like how much more awkward is that? <laughs> how much crappier feeling is that than going in and having the conversation and knowing where you stand? For sure. I look back on my junior career and I'm like, I really wish I would have done things differently and just had the courage to go in the office and be like, let's lay this out on the table. What's going on? What right. do I need to do? You know? And it's like, the same in really any relationships too. It's not even like a yeah. parent relationship. It's like with your spouse so or with your kids or whatever. So true. Speak so your mind. True. It's just <laughs> toxic to keep that, that crap in. And like Tove said, like sacrifice your dignity. Be like, coach, I'm having a really hard time with the breakout. Do you mind spending a little extra time with me right now so I can go over it in my head before practice a little bit more? Coach, I'm having a really hard time with blank. Can we go over it one more time so I can really, you know, be one-on-one -on -one in here to talk about it and I can be better at it because I know I can be better at it. And so that there's wording it the right way, sacrificing your dignity, you're showing coach you want it. Like, I think that's the way to go about it. Yeah.
Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Last one. Last one, dude. Here we go. What you got for me? Last one. This is from seven party for life on the old gram. This has nothing to do with hockey. <laughs> How does a genuinely nice person approach a girl they like at the gym? Tof, I'd say let's start with you, but I don't know if you a ever done this or b ever been in a gym since you stopped playing hockey. <laughs> hey now, God, that was that was a little bit of a low blow, especially for me. I'm short. Jeez. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, so I think the best way to get a girl's attention, Vex is the louder you grunt when you do your rep, I think girls love that, right? So if you're benching and you just let out like a, you know, I think people will think you're the coolest guy in the gym. I don't know. What do you think? Totally. It smells like fart. <laughs> uh, I'm not somebody that ever really approaches girls in the gym. I maybe did twice. Usually let them come to me. Uh, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I'd say, uh, I don't know, rock your, you know, most comfortable gym outfit that makes you feel, uh, confident, get the confidence going, do like a really good warm up right in front of them. Show them you're athletic do some, uh, some mobility gets down in some deep positions, show them what you're working with your confidence to do things that everyone else in the gym isn't doing. And uh, ladies love confidence, just like everybody else. So I think uh, be confident and then hopefully they approach you. And if they don't, you know, I wouldn't, I would not approach them like while they're on the gym floor. Like I I, I don't think girls like that. I know my girlfriend's like a fitness uh, Instagram influencer and she gets hit on all time at the gym, even when I'm there because they don't see me in the back, like sweating like a savage. And then I got to say something. But uh, I think, you know, you don't want to do it when they're working out. Like, don't get in their way. Maybe when they're walking out or when they're at the drinking fountain, just uh, spill some water on their shoe or something and then start talking to them. Oh, whoops, sorry. Oh, hey, what's up? (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, man, it's been so long since I've even approached a girl. (laughs) So I I am not the person to answer this question, uh, especially when it comes to the the gym, as you said, Jeffrey. But that's that's a fun question to end it on. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Thanks for the question. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, listeners. Hopefully, you guys got something out of this one. Uh, we enjoy the mailbag episodes. And uh, again, we enjoy the mailbag episodes because we're hearing from you. And so you guys are why we do this. And thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to support this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we love you guys. We hope you have a great week. Vex, you got anything to add before we uh, shut her down here? No, just want to say thanks again for everybody for listening and sharing and sending in questions. Uh, we really enjoy doing these ones. So uh, whenever we do them, the more questions, the better. And anything you guys ask, we'll answer. Boom. There we go. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.